Episode 71. What is humility? At the end of yesterday's episode, I mentioned how understanding the perfection of Christ's knowledge, the perfection of his human nature, gives us a better understanding and appreciation for his humility. So if humility is one of the goals of our preparation during Advent, to become humble as Christ became humble, to become humble as St. John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease, we should probably understand what that virtue of humility is. Even though people probably have a pretty basic understanding of what it is, it's often misunderstood as well. And it's the root of all the other virtues. You can't really grow in virtue and holiness unless you first build a foundation of humility, that you dig deep to build a solid foundation for all the other virtues. Now to better understand what humility is, I'm not gonna use my own explanation because I don't think I have the, that virtue quite yet. And we'll work through a, a good definition given by Father John Harden. That's a name some of you might recognize. In his Catholic dictionary, he gives a definition and we'll, we'll go through it line by line. And he says first that humility is, quote, the moral virtue that keeps a person from reaching beyond himself, end quote. So that's the first thing is entails recognition of one's own limits. And that might be what most people understand by humility, even though there's more to it than that. That's an important central part of it is it's really knowledge of self, to know your own limits, to not boast of what you don't have, and to not attempt what you cannot by your own power reach, and to not ascribe to yourself things that don't belong to you. So that's one of the main pieces of wisdom we have is to know thyself, to know who you are in your limitations. That's the first step. And he continues by saying, quote, it is the virtue that restrains the unruly desire for personal greatness and leads people to an orderly love of themselves based on a true appreciation of their position with respect to God and their neighbors, end quote. So a couple of things there. It's the virtue that restrains the unruly desire for personal greatness. So it doesn't say you, you shouldn't want personal greatness, but you shouldn't want it in an inordinate way. As Christians, we should desire to become holy to become great in the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing wrong with that desire. You remember when James and John, well, really their mother asked Jesus if they could sit on his right and left hand in the kingdom. He didn't rebuke them for that. He just said, okay, well, can you suffer like I'm going to suffer? So we should desire to be great. And of course we know that as followers of Christ that entails suffering, but the desire is good. If we don't desire holiness, that is a moral defect. So. Humility restrains us from an unruly desire for personal greatness in the worldly sense, but not from a desire for holiness, that is a good, but for personal greatness and praise, that's something that humility restrains us from. And as he continues, it leads people to an orderly love of themselves based on a true appreciation of their position with respect to God and their neighbors. So love of self is not bad, but it should be an orderly love of self. So not only should we recognize our limitations, but also recognize our gifts, those things given to us by God. And that love is based on a true appreciation of how we relate to God and our neighbor. So our relationship with God is one of creature to creator. So that should be a main foundation of our humility is recognizing that we are as nothing compared to God who is infinite. St. Catherine of Siena says that's one of the first things we need to knock into our heads at the beginning of the spiritual life is God is everything and I am nothing meaning that in comparison to God's infinity, the finite is as nothing. So we should desire holiness, but not desire personal worldly greatness. And we should recognize accurately our relationship to our creator, that we are not as gods. We are as nothing compared to God. And we are on an equal footing with our neighbor. 
in terms of personal dignity in the eyes of God. So our love of self needs to be based on those things. We also need to recognize that as creatures compared to God, we are, we are totally dependent on him. And that's what Father Hardin goes on to say, quote, religious humility recognizes one's total dependence on God and our moral humility recognizes our equality with others as creatures. So recognize your limits, recognize your gifts, desire holiness, but doing all of this with a recognition of your total nothingness compared to God and your total dependence on him, you along with the rest of humanity, all of whom share the same creaturely status. Father Hardin goes on, quote, Yet humility is not only opposed to pride, it is also opposed to immoderate self-abjection, which would fail to recognize God's gifts and use them according to his will, end quote. So most people, when they think of humility, think of just that self-abjection, recognizing our nothingness. But humility, since it entails a proper understanding of self, we shouldn't have what really is a false humility when we say, for example, if we have gifts in one area, let's say we are a good athlete and we say that we're not a good athlete and we think that's being humble. That's not being humble. That's actually denigrating gifts that God gave us. So humility entails knowledge of self, not just for our limitations, but also for the gifts that God gave us recognizing, as St. Paul says, that everything we have comes from God. Every good thing comes from God, but they are good things. So we shouldn't boast of things as if they are of our own making, but we should recognize our gifts because they are good things given to us by God. So if someone were to say, wow, you're a really gifted athlete, it's not humble to say, no, I'm not, or no, it's just it just took a lot of hard work. That's actually a very prideful thing to say. The proper response when receiving a compliment is, thank you, praise God. The only reason it's hard for us to accept compliments is because we have this implicit understanding that someone is praising us for something we ourselves are responsible for. But that so that actually shows a, a prideful mindset. If someone praises us for something we are good at, we should rejoice at that because they are recognizing something good God has done in us. Humility is especially important because unless we empty ourselves of our self-delusion, that we are somehow great or anything great or good that we have comes from ourselves, unless we empty ourselves of that, then there is no room for the grace of God within us. So humility is an emptying of self, not in the sense of debasing yourself or thinking you're, you're worthless, but in the sense of realizing that everything good I have comes from God, everything bad about me is caused by my own sin or weakness, and the more we can get rid of all that inordinate self-love, the more room we make for the grace of God to possess us. That's why Christ talked about the Pharisees being puffed up. They were so full of themselves. They were full of belief of their own greatness that there was no room left in them for God's grace and the Holy Spirit. That's why humility is the foundation for holiness because unless we empty ourselves of this false understanding of self and inordinate love of self, there is no room for Christ to come in. It's also especially dangerous because when Christ said, without me, you can do nothing, he meant that really. By our own power, we can do nothing good, nothing that avails for our salvation. So if we have an inordinate trust or confidence in our own power and ability, then we don't rely on God's grace and therefore can do nothing towards our salvation. So it's a very dangerous thing. That's why pride is so deadly because it makes us deaf to the promptings of the Holy Spirit because we think we can do it ourselves. This is a heresy called Pelagianism, that we can, on our own natural power, work towards our salvation. 
So even beyond this theological definition of humility that we've been using so far, we've been explaining so far, there is also the way of humility that we ought to embrace, which imitates Christ's life here on earth, which was filled with suffering and humiliation and all of those things that we should embrace and love them, even though the theological definition we've been using is that we ought to have a proper and orderly love of ourself based on our being made in the image of God and be based on the good things God has given us. Even beyond that, in the way of perfection, we ought to embrace being humiliated or despised, that our gifts not be recognized, because this is more perfectly following the example of Christ. And we can learn a lot about this more perfect way of humility by looking at the litany of humility, which you can find. But I'll go through some of the lines here. We're asking Jesus to deliver us from certain things. For example, the desire of being esteemed, the desire of being loved, of being extolled, of being honored and praised and preferred to others, of being approved, that we not be afraid of being humiliated or being despised or being rebuked or being forgotten or being ridiculed. And even that we positively desire certain things that we don't naturally desire. For example, that others may be loved more than us or more esteemed than us or that others be chosen over us or others be praised and we be ignored. Even that others become holier or be greater in the kingdom of God than than we are, as long as we become as holy as we can. So in other words, humility entails we ourselves recognizing our gifts, but it does not entail that other people recognize our gifts. So if we are ever praised for some good that we have, we ought to offer that praise to God and, and give glory to him because of it. If ever we are ridiculed or insulted or others are preferred to us or we are ignored, we ought to rejoice in that as well because this is a more perfect imitation of Christ. Because if, if there was anyone who ever had the right to correct his detractors and persecutors, it would be Christ, of course, because he is the infinite good. How much more should we remain silent when we are ridiculed and persecuted? Because in true humility, we ought to recognize that we are sinful. And if true justice were done, we would not be able to get to heaven. If true justice were done, we would be separated from God for all eternity by even the slightest sin against the infinite good. So because of that, we ought to embrace any suffering or any ridicule or any punishment in this world after the manner of Christ. Now, obviously, humility is a very difficult virtue to cultivate. Because of our fallen nature, we have a natural impulse to love ourselves inordinately. So how do we acquire this virtue? Well, as with all virtues, if you'll recall, they are habits and habits aided by grace, of course, but but they're habits because we need to practice them. So that litany of humility that I was just reading is a good way to start because it's asking for the grace to actually truly desire these things if we don't desire them yet. Of course, I don't want to be forgotten. I don't want to be ridiculed. I want the praise of others. But by praying the litany of humility, we habituate ourselves to, first of all, reminding ourselves of our nothingness compared to God. And also we pray for the grace to actually change our will so that we really do desire these things in imitation of Christ. So it requires practice to pray for your detractors, for example, even if at first it's just words, but to do it, to allow someone else to be preferred to you in work or in social life or whatever, to praise another that you're not inclined to praise, to praise or honor another for something they did, even if you believe that you may have done it better. These are the kinds of things we need to do in order to actually acquire the virtue of humility, which is very necessary for our salvation. So I would recommend praying that litany of humility daily and trying to take on those attitudes, even if at first you are just saying words. 
And of course, as I've mentioned before, always do an examine at the end of each day. Examine your conscience so that you're always keeping your dependence on God and his grace and your own weakness before your eyes because that's one of the best ways to acquire true humility. Thank you for listening to Catholic Daily Brief. Please share this podcast with your family and friends. Give a five-star rating and a good review if you have a minute. Thanks and God bless.